Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good afternoon or good night. However, whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy Friday for a second time, everybody. Our bonus pod is out, and now we have our live post-draft reactions with Stripe Hype Cincy, a.k.a. Blake Jude, a.k.a. NFL Draft Expert, a.k.a. Master Live Streamer, and guy who has graded every pick with the rankings that he has done on every prospect by himself. Let's get right to it, because we got an hour of breaking down every and any pick, things we liked, things we laughed at, things we found idiotic, <laughs> Raiders, <laughs> lots of Raiders talk, and uh, this is your unconventional, conventional NFL draft analysis, I like to call it. So without further ado, here is Blake Jude, NFL draft expert, and myself breaking down round one here on the Take It Easy podcast. Support for the Take It Easy podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and today we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. 20% off, plus free shipping, when you use the code tie that's t-i-e at manscaped.com manscaped hooked me up with a bunch of tools and formulations from their perfect package 3.0 kit including the best ball hair trimmer ever the lawnmower 3.0 their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code tie t-i-e at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TIE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Hello, what's going on, man? Oh my lord. What a night. Oh my god. I woke up today. I was like, was that real or was that just a dream we all had last night? <laughs> it, it did feel it did feel like it was not real, honestly. I mean, but I mean, such an exciting first round, I got to say. I am I mean, I'm very very happy. Like just just of how the especially as a Bengals fan for how the board fell and what happened. It was just crazy to me. There's a lot of picks that I got right, uh, and there's a lot of picks I didn't and I'm, I'm sure we can cover them all today. But, uh, well, wow. I think the first the first place we got to start is guess how many exactos we got right in our final mock draft that we released on draft day. Seven. Little higher. Eight. Even more. Wow, nine. Even more. In. We got ten exactos. That's not bad. On our final mock draft. That's, that's impeccable by my standards. That's impeccable. I don't know if I've ever had a mock draft that good before. How many did I get right? How many did you get right? Uh, well, we can go through it real quick. So here are the exactos. So the first five picks, we got those all right. So Lawrence right. Wilson, Lance Pitts, Chase. Yep. Then we had, technically, with the trade, we had Devonta Smith to the Eagles. So. <laughs> You so wait. Who had the evens? Uh, I had the evens. Yeah. You you had the evens, so we got that. Okay. Then so we had. Three. 
Huh? We both got three, right? Yes. So you, we each have three. Then Derisaw, but went down at 23 to Minnesota, but we had him at 14, which, by the way, Minnesota walks out like bandits after that. <laughs> if you get, Oh, my gosh. They are celebrating right now, man. Oh, you get uh, you get the left tackle you would have taken at 14 and you just had to trade down to 23. I don't think there's like last year I said like the Diggs Jefferson trade was like the most equal trade in the NFL. I don't think it can get more equal than that Jets Vikings trade because they both got top offensive linemen from the tier two group after Slater and uh, Panay Sewell and they got it at the position they needed. So Jets get a guard. Vikings get a tackle. Like, it worked out perfectly for those teams. And, and credit to you. I mean, you, you had Barry Tucker going 11, which isn't as high. Uh, but at the same time, 14, not, not much further off, you know. Uh, you, go, you go around the area. I, I was having my doubts of where Barry Tucker would go. I could I could have saw a scenario where he might have fell a little bit more. But, of course, I think one of the biggest surprises, uh, one of the biggest drops out of the draft, Jeremiah Usu-Koromo, a linebacker from Notre Dame, uh, off to tackle Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, a guy that I really, really want to go to the Bengals at 38, and then edge rusher Azizo Jalari. So instead, those three guys all fall out of the first round, which I was really, really shocked by, especially for Owusu Koromoa, who I thought was going to be pretty early pick. Yeah, there's always a few of those every year. I remember a couple of years ago, the Jaguars got Jawan Taylor in the second round, and I remember he was being mocked to them in the first round. So yeah, all kinds of crazy stuff. So, that, so you had Darisaw, so that's seven yep then we had me at mac jones at 15 as much as i was tempted to pass on mac jones and say hey he'll go to like washington or something um we did have mac jones at 15 then we had you had caleb farley at 22 to tennessee yep great great pick nine and then uh let's see oh pittsburgh with Najee harris so that those were our 10 exactos yeah uh, all of them make a lot of sense as to why we mocked them. Um, I think all those picks were pretty well, I think, expected if those prospects had fell to that point. And, yeah, I mean, great uh, great first round of the draft. That, that is what – that is just a little bit under one-third, which is actually fantastic, all things considered. I think last year's highest mock had like 17, right, I think, maybe, around that area. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, 10, honestly, is not far off whatsoever because you can see like how a chain reaction can start and a lot of them can be wrong after that, you know. Uh, so, but, uh, and to yeah. be honest, I thought we'd hit on more because I was baffled when I saw Jalen Waddle go off the board at six to the Dolphins. I thought we had Sewell in the bag at that pick. And then after that, you know, chaos started to ensue. But for a while there, I thought we were going to get the top 10, like eight of the top 10 correct. Yeah, and, and I agree. And, you know, honestly, I, I did hear reports, and I think I mentioned this in the podcast uh, b- before the draft started, that there were reports the Dolphins preferred Waddle over Chase. So I could have saw it. I, I, you know, part of me could see the idea of someone going Jalen Waddle, I guess, at six at that point. But uh, it just felt like, especially after that Eric Flowers trade, it really felt like they might have been leading towards offensive line instead. I, I thought, you know, the idea of getting a blue chip or to a somewhat of a blue chip prospect like Panay Sewell, someone who I think was easily the best player available at that point, made, a, a, I think, more sense than what you would get of getting the knee at Jalen Waddle. But at the same time, you still add a, a good wide receiver. He's on a seventh-ranked prospect, so he was right below Panay Sewell, uh, and, and it's something that I won't complain too much about. Um, a little bit off-topic, uh, listen, man, the Chicago Bears, such a such a dub. So happy for them. They deserve, <laughs> they deserve this. This has been the greatest day of the last 15 years for the Chicago Bears. Not only does Aaron Rodgers want to leave, but now you've got Justin Fields. And now I have a dilemma because I so desperately want Justin Fields to be great, but I also so desperately want to piss on the Chicago Bears. (laughs) And so that's one dilemma. The second dilemma is that in order to make this even funnier against the Bears, I might have to start rooting for Mac Jones. And I don't want to root for Mac Jones. (laughs) But listen, this is probably the most talented quarterback the Bears have had in franchise history. It's not crazy to imagine. I think it's it is got to be pretty close because I think the the highest drafted quarterback they ever had was Trubisky, and the best quarterback they've had in the last fifty years, Jay Cutler, was also right. drafted with the eleventh pick. Yeah, and I mean, it, it feels like to me, um, Fields. I think Fields is going to have an adjustment time, and um, I am interested to see now. 
uh, what the Bears look to do, uh, you know, about their starting quarterback position. I wonder if they're going to try to start Fields day one or if it's Dalton. And it's an interesting battle I will want to uh, watch out for. But um, great job by Pace and Nagy. I have never said that in my life, but great job by those two. Uh, to be able to, I guess, smoke smokescreen and, and have a lot of people think that they were not in the market for a quarterback. And then once they're able to strike, once they're able to trade up, they do. Um, they need to be aggressive. This is what this is the move that needed to happen if they wanted to keep their two jobs. Uh, and they did it. So um, this might this might just save, save the Bears' butt. And, of course, the Rodgers news coming out. I don't know. I don't even know if we talked about it on the podcast yet. So I think that came out what in the morning of the draft day. So Yeah, uh, that was about 12 o'clock. What? I, I kind of – so we did a post-draft show like right after, and I just said we're just going to take the Aaron Rodgers stuff and put it to the side because we got a month of content to fill, and that's going to fill it for the month of May. So let's just put the – but I'm happy to take that off the side and bring it back in if you've got stuff on Rodgers real quick. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I don't – I just thought that's the only – the only thing I know right now is the fact that, you know, he might want to uh, – he's explained that he wants to leave, uh, and, and maybe we can go back to their pick and discuss how that's going to affect that maybe a little bit. But I, I think that, you know, for the Bears, the idea that, you know, you're, you're playing in a, in, a, in, a, in a division right now with Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins. If, if you – if the Packers lose Rodgers, you yeah. might have the best quarterback in that division, and – Imagine telling someone that five years ago. <laughs> like, well, the, that the Bears are going to magically walk. Imagine telling someone that like three days ago, that the Bears yeah. are going to walk out with the best quarterback in the division. <laughs> that is wild. And I mean, that, that team was already a divisional, you know, wildcard team. Granted, they really performed poorly near the yeah. back after the season. But they, they uh, were a 5-11 and 11 team that happened to win eight games and the Cardinals blew it and they got in the playoffs. Yes. Right. So they kind of won by a fluke, but... I think most of us can probably agree uh, they might be, uh, you know, a, a couple of pieces away now from actually building something here. Like, this is a team that needs some upgrades on defense still, I think. You know, you, you are pretty weak on corner, still, still have a good need at corner. Um, I think, you know, you have Al Robinson back with the idea that, you know, he might not be interested in returning. It's another big deal, big deal for you right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe offensive line can still use some upgrades. So still, I would say three major needs on this team that need to be filled here soon. But I think that fields can definitely elevate the talents of a lot of these guys coming in. And I will be very excited to see how he works. Guys like David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller. Um, a lot of guys here I think is going to really – Darnell Mooney. Uh, guys are going to really show some improvement, <laughs> I think, with a guy like Justin Fields so we can really get them the ball at a high level. I mean, that was, that was my favorite pick of the draft so far. Uh, I gave an A++ uh, on my grading sheets. So, uh, my, you know, of course, my number five overall quarter, or, you know, player in the draft is going at uh, pick 11. So, I mean, such a huge, huge win for the – the Bears and um, you know, as for a team like the Packers, you know, going Eric Stokes at twenty nine, uh, a, a cornerback I liked a lot, really felt like a kind of a raw prospect somewhat. I think both the Georgia corners felt pretty raw to me. Uh, Stokes has really been an athlete, like a like a track run track star for most of his career. Uh, very very fast, he can run the he can run at a very very high level. Um, does struggle with certain things like ball like ball skills and stuff like that, which is why I do kind of question whether or not he's going to be. Um, a very good technical corner. Uh, but I think that, you know, it's still a huge need that the Packers feel to uh, get an extra corner, but it really soured the pick for me, knowing that they did not use this pick to help Rodgers yet again. It really feels kind of like at this point, Rodgers is just being kissed goodbye. And we can go into deep dive on what that will happen later on in a couple of podcasts later, maybe. But uh, uh, for now, it's just, it's unfortunate to see because it really feels like of all the teams, the Bears might be the new risers. Yeah, it just the, the Packers thing just seems like utter incompetence by their organization based on the reports that they like told Rodgers he was going to San Francisco and then that deal never consummated and they were like, oh, we've just really messed up here. We have really done messed up on this one. And I don't know if you remember this, but um, someone brought this up after the draft is that back in last June, do you remember when we did that NFL draft lottery? For the NFL draft, we had the Bears like go from a 2% chance, get the number two pick, and draft Justin Fields in that draft lottery. Wow. And all of a sudden, 10 months later, the Bears walk away with Justin Fields at pick 11. It comes full circle. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> 
That was awesome. That one that was awesome. And I got to ask you, though, also, what are the other A-plus picks besides Justin Fields in the first round? Yeah, so, I mean, of course, I graded every pick. I, I usually adjust the picks post-draft after all the picks are being made because, of course, that's going to affect a lot of what I, you know, I think about. You know, if, you, if you're going to draft two quarterbacks, then what, what's the point of drafting the other one, you know? So, I might grade that pick a little bit lower. But um, my current first-round grades for the draft go as followed. Um, I have Trevor Lawrence, of course, with an A-plus pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars at one. I have Kyle Pitts as an A-plus pick to the Falcons at four, uh, you know, a pick that we talked about and I liked a lot. Uh, I did have Jamar Chase to the Bengals as a first-round pick, or as an A-plus pick, excuse me. Uh, Panay Sewell to the Lions, an A-plus pick. Uh, going down to, you know, the, the list a little bit more, uh, Justin Fields, of course, to the Bears as an A-plus pick for me. Uh, really, really love the Chargers getting Rashawn Slater. Such a huge win for them at 13, being able to stay. Oh, that's right. I kind of forgot he was a Charger. Yeah. So he, kind of, he kind of snuck in there in the middle of all that Justin Fields chaos. Yeah, big win for them. It's an A-plus for me. Uh, down the list, Caleb Farley to the Titans, of course, my eighth-rated prospect. Didn't really factor in the back injury yet, so I really don't know how that's going to affect him. But, you know, just going off of what I upgraded, it's an A-plus for me. And, of course, the Vikings trading down and still getting Christian Darisol at 23 whenever I locked him to him at 14 as an A-plus pick. And the last one in the first round is Rashad Bateman, wide receiver from Minnesota, going to the Baltimore Ravens at 20, uh, 27, which I think is huge for them, getting the fourth-best wide receiver uh, in the draft, in my eyes, by far, uh, at pick 27 and, and really just solidifying that core for the future. You know, getting a, getting a group of guys like Watkins, Bateman, Marquise Brown, and Devin Duvernay, that creates a pretty dangerous core with their tight ends like Mark Andrews. And Baltimore is interesting for a number of reasons. One, the Rashad Bateman thing was interesting because he wasn't the re- the receiver I initially had played with Baltimore because I thought it might be Terrace Marshall. I thought it might be Kadarius Toney. But when Bateman started to slip, I thought, you know, this could be an interesting combination. And now I look at the Ravens roster and they've literally just assembled the discount Kansas City Chiefs in terms of Mark Andrews to Kelsey um Hollywood Brown to Tyreek Hill now they've got Bateman and they they pride Sammy Watkins away at least whatever's left of Sammy Watkins and that one was interesting and then 31 Baltimore took Jason Owe that's right Jason Owe because I remember I was like so they did take the Judon replacement Mm-hmm. But it's also a bit more of a project. But also that term is a little arbitrary. Like if he ends up dominating out the gate, then he's no longer a project. Then he's an immediate impact guy. But I found it interesting that they took him over, for example, Aziz Ojolare or Joe Tryon, who went one pick later. Yeah, no, and, and I agree. Uh, I, gave, I gave this grade a B plus. I think always talent level uh, could have warranted a pick in this first round. So I did understand the pick. Uh, my biggest issue is... Uh, always almost going to be slotted in a position where he probably has to play quite a bit day one. And for me, uh, Owe had zero sacks last year at Penn State, of course. So a, a big, big detriment to his game is the fact that he is not a refined pass rusher at all yet. Um, a freak athlete. That's, I'm assuming that's why the, the Ravens really, really wanted him. They want to find that next trail sucks for their team or Matthew Judon, the freak athletes who can develop their technique in the NFL level. But um, – it, it will be it will be interesting to see how well he develops because if you know this is a team that likes to blitz a lot so maybe they can mask always weaknesses quite a bit but you know dire need of edge rushing right now I believe that you're only two really reliable edge rushers feel like Calais Campbell and Tyus Bowser who's you know average at best I would say uh, Owe kind of adds that you know potential at the young rookie position but um, at the same time you really see that Ravens like to run a lot of uh, three edge rushers with, you know, last year with Unique Ngakwe, Clayus Campbell, Matthew Judon. They, they found the way just to get all those three guys on the field at the same time. Uh, I feel like this is probably going to be a similar case here with Owe, uh, and I'm interested to see how he will perform uh, out of the gate. I, I do think this could be a pretty slow startup for him. Um, same for Gregory Rousseau going to the Bills. I think both of them are going to be guys who might take a, a year or two to really help, you know, kind of ramp up and get ready to actually perform high at the next NFL level. But uh, I think both guys have really high upsides. And so if you're looking at a high upside pick, that really is Jason Owe there. And if he pans out, man, he's going to be a freak of an athlete and a, and a freaking of an edge rusher for Baltimore Ravens, which is a huge need for the team. I love that you phrased it like that because I remember last year you said the exact same thing about Patrick Queen is that if he, he works out, he can be an immediate, like, dominating middle, middle linebacking presence. And lo and behold, Patrick Queen finished third in defensive rookie of the year last year. So 
Baltimore knows what they're doing there. It's funny how some of these picks did fall that way. Like Miami having picks like at six and at 18 when last year they were picking at five and 18. Like it was funny that some of these draft picks fell into the similar places they were the year before, which, you know, teams can be decidedly average in some of these places. Um, so I, I, I thought Baltimore was one of the biggest winners of the night towards the back end of the draft, mostly because the back end of the draft had a lot of head scratching picks, but I thought Baltimore walked out pretty nicely from that one. So I thought it was a pretty good move to get those two guys. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I, I agree. I also agree with the fact that very really couple of head scratching picks really felt like after 16 or uh you know everything kind of fell off <laughs> uh or maybe even during 16 uh well know. yeah it depends how you feel about Zayvon Collins but I was I was in that live stream with you guys when uh, Alex Leatherwood went 17 to the Raiders <laughs> and it was a shit show <laughs> yes uh that was <laughs> if you guys haven't I, I did post it on IGTV so if you guys want to go back to my page and, and skip it was the second uh second part of the stream uh probably in the middle, I would say, around that area. Our reaction to the Alex Leatherwood pick. <laughs> Man, we were we were, oh, we were ecstatic, bro. It was the funniest thing ever. Uh, the, here's the problem. You know, you, you're getting a guy in Alex Leatherwood. I, I will say my co-hosts in, in the live stream, Nathan and Will, um, both are very, very low on Alex Leatherwood compared to me. Uh, and those are guys I kind of compare my scouting to quite a bit, a little uh, somewhat. Um I have my own grading system, but you know, if, if there's a prospect I want to, you know, talk to people about, I will, I will try to go maybe to them and that, you know, ask a couple of questions and see what they think. And, you know, try to, you know, I think a big part of scouting is really trying to get in contact with other people and helping develop your board based on what you see and based on what they see as well. Um, so Alex Leatherwood's a guy that I know both of them were extremely low on compared to me. Uh, my prospect 44 in the draft goes 17. Um, the biggest problem for me is Kevin Jenkins, you know, Christian Darisol are both there at that. Oh, point. that's right. Kevin Jenkins made it out of the first round. Right. I mean, you and and here's the problem. Alex Leatherwood is a fine player. You know, he's, he can be a good second round pick, good late first round pick even. Why would you stay there at 17 and take him? You could have easily traded down. It's a terrible, terrible idea to, to reach on a guy that far up in the draft. Um, and this is the interesting awesome. Gruden thing. Think about his four first-round picks as GM in Las Vegas. Oh, you've got... reach... And and yeah. how many of them have panned out? Really, uh, like... none, none, none. <laughs> so I mean, this, this I don't is... remember who did they pick in 2018. I don't remember who they picked anymore. Playland Farrell. And was that 2019? Was was that wasn't their first draft? Was Maybe. it? That was after their first full season. I thought. I think Maybe. this is their. I think this is their fourth draft, Damon but Arnett. I don't. Damon Arnett was last year was at last 19, year. Yeah, yeah. and Henry Ruggs was 12. I, I just don't remember who they picked That's at 18. Right. Yeah. That's but those one. those are the four I was saying. It feels like none of them. I can't remember the 2018 draft. That Was that uh, – um, no, hold on. Let's see. I, I got you. Let's see who they drafted with their first-round pick in the first year that was, of that. That was the year they got Arden Key and Maurice Hurst, I believe, right? So, yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. They traded down and got Colton Miller. So that one worked out pretty well for them. Reaching on Colton Miller worked out pretty well. But that was, uh... yeah, all of them reaches all every single pick there were reaches. It felt like so. I yeah. mean, just, I would say out of all of those, um, I, you know, maybe you could argue maybe Arnett would be more of a, of a reach. But I would argue Leatherwood's probably the biggest reach of them all uh, in this draft. Uh, I, I gave it a D. It's the lowest graded pick of the draft so far. Um and, you know, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, if you want a prospect so bad, what is stopping you from trading down and taking that guy later? Uh, if you know these guys is going to drop, just wait. And you can get just as good of a prospect if he isn't even there. I mean, there are three tackles available right now that are, that are better than Alex Otherwood. I, I have higher, much, much higher grades on Samuel Cosme, Kevin Jenkins and Dylan Radins. All three of them, I think, are better uh, for sure. Um, here's the thing with Leatherwood. You know, very, very long arms. Uh, at, you know, pretty above average athleticism, I think. 
the problem for me is, you know, he he does really have a big question to tackle, being able to set the ed- or being going against edge rushers who are very bendy, getting below him, uh, and, and being able to really set the edge at a high level. Usually, Leatherwood has a, has kind of has a tendency to let guys get around him at a, you know a little faster than what you should as a tackle, uh, and, and I think that that could be a big part of his footwork. I think his footwork is definitely a problem right now, and it's a big reason why I think a lot of people think Leatherwood should move to guard and taking a guy like Leatherwood who is. You know, it, you're probably going to put at, you know, as your opposite tackle spot right now because, of course, you lose. You, you Who's your left tackle right now? You have Colt Miller at left tackle. You yeah, lose, but they, yeah. You they lose, lose Trent Brown. Trent Brown, correct. So you're going to play at the at right tackle day one. Um, I mean, it's just, it really feels like for the Raiders, you, you, you downgrade at offensive line and you lose your first round pick. It's just it's a it's a big L for them this offseason. Uh to to you know they had one of the best offensive linemen offensive line groups last year in the NFL. Uh really feels like their offensive line took a step down and on top of that they wasted a first round pick on one of those guys even though it's still a downgrade. So uh it really feels like if they you know I really was hoping a Rusu Cormoa there. Uh I don't know if you were in the you were in the last year at that point, right? Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I was really or Wusu Koromoa, who ended up not going there. I said Caleb Farley could have been one of those picks. Um, was really, really shocked to see them go the other direction and go Alex Leatherwood. It would have even, even made more sense for me if they went Jenkins, Cosme, or Raytons. I wouldn't have argued nearly as much as any of those guys. It was one of the pro- – I, mean, I, I gave a list of like all the prospects I could see a team taking – I would like to say I hit on like 26 of those 32 teams. That was the first one that I got completely off the wall wrong, <laughs> like not even close. Yeah. So I'm uh, really shocked to see how that pick turned out. Um, it's, it's, one of the, the, it's one of those moments where if everyone picked the first 16 picks correct, that's like the Oral Roberts equivalent of picking a perfect mock draft. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, it's so off the wall. And I, I think that, you know, he – I remember, I remember you saying this in the comments. Uh, I could, uh, it could be wrong, but you said like what sixty percent chance he fell to pick what? 60? Yeah. So that that came up on the ESPN broadcast after the fact was they said there was a sixty percent chance he would have made it to the Raiders' second round pick at forty six. I mean, just wild. I mean, and it's, thought- it's even even more obvious now, knowing that three offensive tackles better than him, and maybe a fourth in Jalen Mayfield fell into the second round. Correct, and only if only. And, and, including Leatherwood, only five offensive linemen were taken round one, which compared to what the Vegas odds were at seven and a half, it's a stark difference, right? I mean, a mm-hmm. lot less offensive linemen went round one than we thought. Um, we thought there was a good chance that maybe Creed Humphrey and Landon Dickerson would find their way into round one. Maybe even a guy like Dylan Radins, Samuel Cosby. Of course, we did expect Kevin Jenkins to be one of those guys as well. Um, at, we expected two or three of those guys to be included uh, on top of the, you know, of, of, you know, really the main four already. Really felt like, you know, only four of the uh, – linemen that went round one were the ones we expected one of them was an off the ball you know crazy pick or off the wall crazy pick and and, and I think that the others are kind of left now in a a bit of a limbo situation where if you're Cincinnati or Miami or the Atlanta Falcons you're going to get a first round talent in the second round so a huge win for them beauty of those top of the second round picks is that you can get first round talent at second round prices and it works out very well for your team uh and I think a lot of teams are going to be happy with that down the road uh, I had another question right before that, but after that comment, oh, this is the beauty of the NFL is like all of a sudden the Browns are a competent organization. They have high draft picks and they make smart picks like uh, Greg Newsom and new people fill their place like laughing at the Raiders for always making the wrong pick. So as new as former perpetual rebuilders go away, new perpetual rebuilders emerge themselves. <laughs> yes. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, crazy shift in uh what we expected to happen, a really big shift in the league as, as a whole. And uh, it is pretty exciting to see uh, how all that turned out. Um, I, I think uh, a pick that I wanted, or a couple of picks I wanted to throw out there. First, starting off with the Jacksonville Jaguars at pick 25. Uh, yeah. Another pick that I got completely wrong and, and I'm very disappointed in, in general. Um, I, I like Travis Etienne uh, running back from Clemson. Uh, I had him as my second highest graded running back, and he was a first-round grade for me. I believe I had him at 29 overall. So value-wise, it's only four you know, four picks earlier than what I had him graded uh, in this round. But if you're, the, if you're the Jaguars, man, that was just a spit in the face to the running back, James Robinson, last year, who had a career year, his rookie season. His, his rookie season, undrafted, but they said on the broadcast should have been like a fifth or a sixth-round pick. 
And he was the third leading rusher in the NFL last year. Obviously, they were 1-15, in 15, so you could argue the value of running backs as a whole. But the third leading rusher in the NFL, and they've now brought in two running backs to replace him. It's just it's, – it's crazy. Uh, and – and unfortunate, honestly, because, I mean, Robinson deserves <laughs> – he deserves better. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I definitely – it makes a lot of sense as to why E.T. was drafted. This is an obvious pick. The Jaguars are like, hey, Lawrence, let, let me get you your favorite weapon as well. It's, a, you know, a good welcome here to Jacksonville. Let you get your guy uh, as well as, you know, you know, slotting in here. You know, of course he's going to want to be an ambassador. He's going to want to play for the Jaguars now that he has his, one of his best friends and one of his great teammates out there with him. But – Here's my problem with with ETN. I think his biggest question mark is his receiving game with Trevor Lawrence. That is that is my biggest question. How well is that connection going to work out uh, at college football level? Um, ETN did struggle a lot with drops. So uh, even from the short half of the field, uh, the short part of the field, uh, the the dump offs, the, the screens, he did struggle with drops at times, and that was one of the things I graded pretty low on him at. So I thought if anything, he was going to be best at running the ball on the inside or or on the outside. You know, getting the ball in his hands in the backfield. Um, rather, I, I don't see why you would want to match up Trevor Lawrence with one of his favorite weapons if that was one of the weapons that actually struggled the most in the passing game. So, um, yeah, ET is a big head scratcher for me. I graded that pick a C right now. That might be adjusted to be even worse later on. I thought there was a lot of better picks there. I was really hoping for Trayvon Merrick, uh, safety from TCU, who also fell out of the first round uh, there at 25. He did not go there, but, of course, Merrick is still there uh, at pick 33, so maybe he falls a little bit and you still get him. But, um Really thought that you could have waited for ETN maybe till 33 if you really wanted to, but I'm assuming this is just a, a risk that they didn't want to take, and they just wanted to get Trevor Lawrence's guy uh, immediately. Uh, was really shocked to see that, though. Now, to be fair, this trade did set the precedent for the Jaguars getting Trevor Lawrence in the first place, but now we can look back and say that including their fourth, an extra fourth-round pick this year, the Jaguars just traded Jalen Ramsey for Clavon Chason and Travis Etienne. Yeah, I mean that's terrible. I mean it's 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 an L, and and honestly, like I mean, I think that the Jaguars had the right idea by getting rid of a star cornerback, and he wanted to leave, so it was a trade that was yeah. necessary. That's that was the disclaimer I put on the front end is like acknowledging that without that trade, they don't get Trevor Lawrence. So that's that's the thing bigger than any asset they got from Chase on or ETN is that it put them in a position for their own pick to net them their franchise quarterback in the future. Correct. So but in, in place of your best player, probably in your franchise and forever. I mean, it really feels like Ramsey was the most talented guy they've had in such a long time. Yeah, um, if ever. It's like yeah. him and Maurice Jones drew. That's about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, for real. And, and, and I think uh, – Rather than you know keeping being able to keep him, which wasn't going to happen anyways, uh, instead you replace him with a you know third down pass specialist, uh, pass rush specialist, and a running back who might be a rotational guy that's just going to keep Trevor Lawrence happy. It's just it really really does confuse me. But they have a chance to make it up here at pick thirty three coming up tonight. So uh, I, you know if if it is a good pick if they go Merrick. Um, you know, this draft's still going on the up and up for them. They're still going to show a lot of improvement from last year. So uh, I can't complain too much. But that was a big head scratcher for me. Um, and there's another pick I, I really low-key liked later on in the draft. Um, Peyton Turner uh, going to the Saints at pick 29. Really, really. I had him – sorry, not 29. Uh, 28. Uh, really liked that pick. Uh, a bit of a surprising pick for me. He was rated a 60 overall on my board. But, I mean, talk about a great fit. I really, really like Peyton Turner uh, from Houston. And, and a good friend of mine uh, – Nathan and the guy I live streamed with had an interview with Peyton Turner, uh, actually, and was able to interview him before the draft started. And he was adamant on being a first-round pick. He said he knew he was going to be a first-round pick. And so there was a bit of an expectation for us from how confident he sounded that maybe Peyton Turner could have got there to back half of the first round. And he ended up going uh, to the Saints, a team that was in dire need to replace Trey Hendrickson, who they lost to the Bengals this offseason. And they get a great edge rusher uh, and a guy that I think can be perfectly slotted into that third down pass rush specialist um you know for the beginning of his career and then eventually can probably develop to be that second edge rusher apart from Marcus Davenport or Cam Jordan depending on who they want to keep yeah and that one was interesting because I um after the fact I saw the clip of uh of Cam Jordan doing the analysis on Bleacher Report's draft show and he was I was interested because it was an edge rusher and obviously they're not looking to replace Cam Jordan but the thing I thought was interesting with the Saints is just you needed talent across the board and I think they were smart for waiting on the wide receiver. I think they can get one in round two, get one in round three, and walk away very, very happy. I think it was very smart of them to not reach on 
the wide receiver in the first round. Now they might have reached on Peyton Turner at edge rush, but I do think that the Saints made the right move because they just needed to get people in there on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, so, so here's the thing, and here's the big reason why I'm, I'm a little bit more warmed up to the pick now than what I was during the draft. Um, watching Joe Tryon go at 32 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I have a strong belief that that could have been Peyton Turner as well. Uh, I really thought that those two would have been two picks that made a lot of sense. Both of them were kind of, uh, you know, I think more or less Tryon's more of a developmental guy. He's going to be more of a uh, a guy that's going to have to wait and, and develop, which I think makes more sense for the Buccaneers if you because you already have two great edge rushers in Pierre Paul and Shaquille Bear. But at the same time, I uh, really thought Peyton Turner could have been that next Jason Pierre-Paul for your team. A really good – I mean, he's he's big uh, edge rusher. I think he can play on the outside. though, plays a lot of speed as well. Um, I really thought he could have been the next Jason Pierre-Paul for their team. And that was a pick that I could have looked he saw happening as well. And so it wouldn't have surprised me if maybe the Buccaneers uh, started to go Peyton Turner instead if he fell there. So um, if you really, really wanted them, it made a lot of sense that you might go, go ahead and take him there because we did see a little bit of a run on edge rusher uh, in this draft a little bit later, later on with Rousseau, of course, saying a Joe Tryon. And I would be remiss if I weren't during this uh, whole conversation because we talked about Justin Fields, but I forgot to ask you about Trey Gettleman who finally went down to 20 and just decided, you know what? Like, unlike the Raiders, I am going to trade down. But if I can't have Jalen Waddle, I'm just going to pick another speedy wide receiver. No matter what, I'm going to get myself a speedy wide receiver and pick 20. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I feel like it's kind of, Giants kind of played their hand and kind of showed their cards way too early. Uh, the news coming out that Devonta Smith was going to go to the Giants at 11 if he fell. Uh, kind of unfortunate news for them because it really allowed the Eagles to recognize that and trade, make the trade up, up with the Cowboys who of all people, the Cowboys were the ones they traded with, which was shocking. But, but that was just, that was just, it makes too much sense for both sides. Like right. the Cowboys are going to get the guy they want at 10 or 12. The Eagles want to go to 10 and the Cowboys can get an extra third round pick and get the exact same person they would have had at 10. Yes, correct. So, uh, yeah, and, and I think that, you know, still getting Parsons for the Cowboys is, is a win for them as well. I really like that pick, uh, you know, to replace Sean Lee and, uh, you know, an un- unhealthy Leighton Vander Esch. That's a really good linebacker core. If it's fully healthy, Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, and, of course, Michael Parsons now. That's crazy to imagine how good they can be. Uh, but but going back to the point uh, before, I, you know, the Giants letting that pick uh, kind of be released a little too early uh, really showed their cards. Uh, Dolphin or the Eagles make a desperate trade up to try to get Devonta Smith and. And they do. They managed to get him. And uh, now the Eagles wide receiver core is filled with first-round picks, uh, <laughs> uh, which is kind of crazy to imagine. I mean, Jaylen, you know, or not, not just first-round picks, but just younger rookie guys, uh, you know, just across the board. I mean, that, that team is just filled with them. Uh, and, and I will be interested to see how that will work out. But I did mention, uh, and I mocked the, the Devonta Smith to the Eagles in my analysis, I said that Devonta Smith could be a very, very good safeguard or a, a, a safety blanket for like Jalen Hurts because – Dante Smith runs a lot of short routes. He runs a lot of, you know, you know, screenplays, uh, you know, just really like slants, uh, a lot of easy routes for Jalen Hurts to really recognize and, and attack since Hurts doesn't really have the strongest arm. So it does make a lot of sense as to why they would go that route and get a guy like Devonta Smith. But at the same time, I, I think that, you know, the Giants recognize that, hey, Devonta Smith's not going to be ours. We don't, we don't have Jalen Waddle on the board. Let's trade yeah. down. And they stuck to their guns. They, they really, really want a wide receiver. They got Kadarius Tony. I graded a C-plus right now. Um, would have definitely preferred Elijah Moore, I think. Uh, would have also preferred Rashad Bateman uh, 10 times out of 10 uh, over Kadarius Tony. Tony ran a very, very disappointing uh, 40 time in the pro day. I believe he ran like a 4 5 4, which is very, very low compared to what we expected him to be. Of course, guys like Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, who are not recognized to be as fast as Tony, ran, ran a much faster 40 time than what Tony did. So, a uh, bit of a shock that he ran at slow of a 40 time, but at the same time, uh, best route runner in in the game in the in the NFL draft this year. I think that's not really much of a debate at this point. Uh, and, and I think that you know that that core of Tony, uh, Kenny Galladay, and of course Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard is going to create a pretty dangerous uh, you know kind of group there for Daniel Jones. And I mean, I, I said this in the, in the in the podcast as well. This is the Giants are going to pick a guy who's going to give Daniel Jones no excuses. And this is the pick that, you know, even though they made a trade down, this is still that pick. They're, they're, there's no excuses to Daniel Jones at this point. He has everything he needs at, at you know, at any, all the offensive positions. Yeah, it's a win-win for the Giants. You'll either make the playoffs or you'll get rid of Dave, Daniel Jones and Dave Gettleman. So you're going to win either way at this point. And you walk away going from 11 to 20 and shows you a, a little bit of what the market looked like was that they go from 11 to 20. They got the Bears' first-round pick, which, by the way, 
that could end up being a huge win for the Giants, getting the Bears' first-round pick next year. You get that and a fifth and a fourth, which are just day three picks. But the Giants could use people at this point, just take some shots at the board and see if you can finally get some better, younger players in in New York because they've made some bad picks in the past. And uh, I did love the annual tradition of Giants fans being confused at what the hell Dave Gettleman is doing immediately after their draft pick. We missed it last year when they took Andrew Thomas, but we got the uh, confused Giants fans after Kadarius Toney got drafted. I remember seeing it on, on the broadcast I was recording. The guy just looked at the camera like, what? <laughs> I mean, he was confused as to what the pick was or why, why that pick was made. But, uh, you know, I, I think that it does have some upside, too. I definitely think Tony could still be a, a good receiver at the next level. Um, my bet is Sterling Shepard might be on the move here soon. I could see a possible trade even during the draft. could be today or tomorrow of Sterling Shepard if they really, really wanted to. Um, but I think regardless, uh, I, I really look at this uh, – Look at this core of the Giants and think that, hey, you know, this is no more excuses for Daniel Jones. As you mentioned, you add the Bears first round pick. Very likely chance that you might have two first or top 10 picks next year in the draft, which is huge. You can have pick nine and pick seven. Uh, you could really do some damage with that. And I feel like, you know, Daniel Jones, of course, if they have two top 10 picks, Daniel Jones is not their quarterback anymore. And it's very, very likely they, they, they might have one of the quarterbacks added next year uh, in the NFL draft. So a, a very good shot that, you know, even if it, this doesn't work out this year, they can really make it work out next year with the picks they have. I'm really glad that right before the draft started, we talked about Jamin Davis because Jamin Davis, we, well, we mocked Micah Parsons to Washington, and we, we were on to something because Washington was dead set on a linebacker, and they ended up taking Jamin Davis, who I think you had as your second-best linebacker post-Micah Parsons. Yes. And so Washington was set on a linebacker, and Davis was the best one available, and they took linebacker at 19. Yeah, and, and I said this during the podcast. I didn't want to be biased, but I had heard reports, uh, a lot of reports, uh, from you know not only NFL sources but also Kentucky Wildcats sources, which I have a lot more connected to. I would say uh, that Jamin Davis could go as early as the teens, and I believe I even said that on the podcast. I, I had a good feeling he'd been around one prospect. Uh, had him going, I believe, to the Bills at thirty uh, in this mock draft. So I, I was going to be a little more safe with the pick and have him go a little bit later. Um, I, though I did say during the live stream, I, I threw it out there. I, think, I thought Jamin Davis was one of five picks I could really see uh, being a possibility for Washington. It really kind of felt like since the Wusu Cormoa had fell, I was going to lean towards him being the pick instead since I think he really is that versatile linebacker safety who can also be a great coverage guy. Um, Jamin Davis is more of a pure will linebacker. I think I mentioned it during the podcast as well. My, my player comp and a guy that I think is almost a, a direct replica of him is Miles Jack. Um, the will linebacker, of course, from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, uh, you know, the, Washington being able to add a guy like that, you had a freak athlete, a guy who could reign like a Four three nine in the in the pro day at linebacker, which is unreal. Um, led the Kentucky in tackles by over thirty and had uh, you know three or four interceptions last year. Uh, being a fantastic coverage linebacker, uh, I, I think this is Washington is slowly putting together the best defense in the NFL at this point. You have a great cornerback room with uh, of course uh, Kendall Fuller and William Jackson as well. Uh, I think Jamin Davis now slots in as that next linebacker next to. Um, uh, Who's the guy? Uh, John Bostic, uh, middle linebacker. So you kind of create a pretty good duo there. And they, they, they might bring back Ryan Kerrigan, too. He's still technically right. free. Right. Yes, and, and combine that with the best defensive line in the NFL. Uh, you are really you are really cooking something there on the defense. Uh, if you are Washington, I am very excited to see how they perform next year. I think Jamin Davis could be uh, one of the more surprising picks that work out in the first round in this draft. I believe it graded at a B plus. Uh, I, I did think that even though he wasn't – he was 31st on my board. He went 19, even though he wasn't matching up exactly value-wise. It's a, it's a perfect fit there for Washington. I thought that was definitely going to be Jamie Davis's ceiling, and it ended up being the case. And I think that it could work out if, if they use it correctly. I was just thinking about it right now. I was like, oh, I guess Washington does have the best defensive line in football. I can't, I can't think of anyone who would compete with them. I mean, just having Aaron Donald, that, would, that might do it for you. Just Aaron Donald versus the Washington yeah. defensive line. But – yeah, I think you might be right. They've got the best defensive line in football. Maybe Tampa. Yeah, that's a good example too. Tampa, Pittsburgh, maybe. Yeah. If you count, if you count T.J. Watt as an edge rusher instead of a linebacker. Well, I mean, they maybe that that I, I always kind of consider them linebackers. Yeah. Uh, you know, it really kind of feels like I would think I would say Tampa. You could argue maybe a team like. 
Now the Colts could be one with now after adding Quiddy Pay uh, with guys like oh, that's uh, right. They have a couple of good if they can get Justin Houston back, of course, that's going to be a pretty good defensive line there uh, in, in uh, Indianapolis because they have um, uh, the defensive tackle from uh, the 49ers. Uh, they added um, Buckner. Playing. Buckner, DeForest Buckner. I want to say Dave. I want to say yeah. Godshaw for some reason. I don't know why. But, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they've got him and they've got Grover Stewart inside. They've got a, they've got a pretty good defensive line, and this is kind of just like replace Anthony Walker with Quiddy Pay and just roll out. Yeah, and, and I mean, like you know, great for them. Uh, that can be a good. That can be a pretty good D line group. But I definitely feel like, uh, for me at least, when it comes to potential, you know, Chase Young, uh, Montez Sweat. Uh, you know, big group inside, really good, a couple of really good players inside as well. Uh, that's a complete defensive line there for them. And, and yeah, I think it will be the best in, in football next year. I can see them definitely leading the league in, in sacks for sure. Uh, and, and I'm excited to see how this all turns out because I think a, a, a great aspect of this game that I'm, you know, not really haven't really been too focused on yet. Um, they already had great coverage on the outside and they're going to, they're going to retain that now by getting Jackson, William Jackson to replace Ronald Darby. Uh, I think their biggest question mark was defending the pass over the middle. I really feel like over the middle is the biggest issue. Not really, not too great at safety right now. A little bit of a weakness at safety. You know, you have a guy um, in, um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking. <laughs> uh, I, I know who you're thinking of. Uh, is it Everett? No, um, I'm going crazy. Uh, hold on. I got to look this up. Um, <laughs> it, while I filibuster for you, what? I'm trying to think of their two starting strong safe or two starting safeties. Uh, yeah, you can filibuster. One is like the, the something, the Sean Everett or something. Something like that, I think. And then. Uh, oh, 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 my fault. Um, no, no, hold on. Sorry. They technically yeah. still have Landon Collins, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that's not who I was thinking of. I was thinking of someone else. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Atlanta Collins, I believe, has been kind of a rotational guy. Uh, Cameron Curl as the, and Atlanta uh, Collins. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Cameron Curl was the name I was trying to think of that I completely forgot about. You still have the young, uh, you know, rookie. Yeah, he was, he was awesome last year. We had him in the first round of our redraft in 2020. Right. And uh, a guy that, you know, I really didn't uh, – ex- I didn't have graded last year. So, uh, a guy that I ended up being a lot better than what I thought, uh, you know, or what I was expecting for sure. So, um you had Cameron Curl working out. You have Landon, Landon Collins right now is slotted to be your free safety, which I actually didn't know. Uh, kind of crazy to me that he would be a free safety. Uh, but there is questions on, I think both those players feel like true strong safeties for me. Uh, both players are more going to be like run support guys. They're not going to be elite in the middle middle of the field coverage. Uh, I think Jamin Davis can be that guy for your team. Uh, and you really now kind of have good coverage across the board to go along with one of the best edge rushers or one of the best defensive linemen. Uh, or defensive line groups in the NFL right now. So, I mean, just a huge win for Washington to be able to really fill up that defense. I think the defense finally is finished now. You can go into the rest of this draft focusing on offense, trying to build around um, the offense right now. And I think if they can do that correctly, this is a dangerous team in the NFC East. Could be a bit of a shocker. And for Washington and the Colts, I know that neither team is really prone to trading up in the draft as much, but you can get those offensive linemen still. Not four yep. tackles started falling, and Creed Humphrey, like both of them, can get their guys in the second round. Maybe even by sitting where they are. But if you want to get Ray Dunes, if you want to go get Samuel Cosme, they're there for you guys. Who I would have been fine if they had taken in the first round, and now they might get them in the second. Yeah, uh, and yeah, same goes for really all all the teams that are offensive line needy. Uh, really fell well. Uh, on the board. I mean, shout out to the teams that end up passing off the line, like the Bengals. Uh, you know, I want to give a quick shout out to my own team, of course. Um, yeah. You know, recognizing that, hey, maybe this draft might be falling a little bit differently than what we thought. I think a lot of people expected there to be seven or eight off the linemen off the board. Of course, only five go right now in this draft, and one of them being Alex Leatherwood, who's no one we really expected at all. Um, I think that a lot of teams are going to be celebrating and uh, being very, very happy when they realize, uh, you know, between Cosme, Raidens, uh, Creed Humphrey, Landon Dickerson and Tevin Jenkins. That's five first-round prospects on my board. Or I guess five guys I can see going first round uh, for sure. You're gonna you're gonna get a very very talented uh, offensive lineman that could be very very successful for your team. Yeah, I think that it's gonna work out there for you guys for Miami. Offense. Who? Yeah, for teams there and uh, Jalen Phillips to Miami was uh, that was a nice little pickup that they added too, very quietly as we were going, as yep. we were laughing at Leatherwood and still reeling from Mac Jones. A quiet, nice pick of Jalen Phillips to the Dolphins too. I, w- I would like to shout out my own mock draft that I made. I actually predicted that pick. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I had had someone trading up to that pick for Jalen Phillips at 18, I think. But then we went with Awusa Koromoa, who is still available for someone to pick up. But that's going to be a fun day, too. And imagine me telling you before the draft, listen, in the first round of the NFL draft, there are going to be the same number of offensive linemen drafted as cornerbacks. Yeah, I wouldn't believe at all. <laughs> that you're going to have five corners and five offensive linemen get drafted in the first round and winner for whoever did not take an offensive lineman. So I would, I would like to go over my, my mock draft that I had made uh, and, and shout out a couple of things. For one, I predicted the Chicago trade up to the New York Giants pick at 11. Uh, we'll throw that out there. I had them trading up with the New York Giants to move up. I had them picking Mac Jones instead of just kids. <laughs> I had Mac Jones going six, the Broncos still, even after the Teddy Bridgewater trade. So <laughs> I was a bit wrong there, but hey, I got the trade right. Also, we didn't I, even had... get, I didn't even talk about the Panthers and the Broncos. I talked a lot about them on our post-draft show because I find both of those teams to just be like, they just haven't been the same since 2015. But both of them took corners over Justin Fields, and that's going to be one that we might get to laugh at later on. Yeah, and I also had Washington moving down and taking Jamin Davis at 22 rather than 19. Uh, so I got that one right as well. Uh, also hit on Elijah Vera Tucker with the New York Jets. I did not have them trading up, and I'm staying there at 23. Uh, and a, a couple of good hits, like Greg Newsom going to the Browns. I had Najee Harris going to the Steelers, of course. Um, let's see. I, I had I, I did get a couple wrong earlier on. I had Lawrence Wilson, Lance Pitts, Chase, of course, all right. I also had Sewell to the, to the Lions. So, um, in total, that's 10 right on my – I thought my own draft as well. So, um, actually, 11 right. So, I did pretty well hey, on my hey. own draft as well. So, uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty happy. Well done. Well done. We are, we are nailing it. Like, you were on the spot with a lot of the stuff this year. So, I, I commend you for that. And then there's those things you mentioned that I didn't get to laugh at with you. I laughed at them before, but – Lions fans are throwing their hands in the air like, yes, we have organizational competence. Yeah. We didn't do something stupid. And, and, and I found it hilarious how the Lions, uh, when, when they panned back to the, the war room, to see them all jumping around and hugging each other and freaking out. Like, because yes. they, 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 they had no idea Penesu was going to be there at seven. They were shocked. You could tell. And they were like, just get him. Just get him. Take him right now. Like, that, that pick went off the board so fast. I did not see pick is in come in so fast I did when too. that happened on the draft. And, and I think I think we mentioned that during the during the live stream. We're like, pick's already in. Oh, we already know who this is. <laughs> you know, this is obvious. So, and I had mocked that pick. So, I mean, yeah, huge win there for the Lions. Really happy for them. Uh, and I mean, just a great, great pick. I mean, it, this feels like a good start to a rebuild for the Detroit Lions. A great start. Getting your future left tackle. I think the guy's is going to be an absolute stud for you. Um, you know, maybe try to look towards adding a quarterback next uh, NFL draft. Uh, and, and hopefully if you can, if you can add a good player, um, and you know, I'm not going to mention any names yet because it's still really early on in the process. And I really don't have, a, there's a lot of, a lot of depth in next year's quarterback class, if assuming everyone goes, but a lot of question marks. I don't think there's really any high end talent right now. It really kind of feels like Sam Howell is kind of the favorite right now to pick number one overall, but uh, we'll have to see how that turns out. Um, uh, if, they get, best, if they could get a good quarterback uh, in next year's class and, and match him up with the, you know, the future of your offensive line of Panay Sewell, uh, going to be a very, very good start to a, a future rebuild for the squad. And, and I think that, you know, you could argue this Kenny Galladay, you know, losing out on Galladay could be a blessing in disguise because you're going to save 20 mil and be able to use all those uh, free agency, you know, cap assets to help add to the team even more. Uh, and if guys like Jeffrey Okuda can really pan out, guys like Jelani Tavai can pan out, uh, if a couple of these other players pan out, you're going to be in very, very good shape, uh, especially in this weak division already. You know, we already mentioned that, you know, the Bears might be might have the best quarterback in this division now. So you might have a chance to actually make some noise. I feel like this we're starting to see is it the NFC North? Is that the division? Uh, yes. Pack, where that, 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 that division could be taking a swing of momentum uh, towards some of the back half teams now. So maybe the Lions and Bears are suddenly on the rise. We might see the Vikings. Well, actually, I, I, still, I still want to shout out the Vikings because I think they had a very, very good day at the draft. But uh, certainly the Packers, I think, are definitely a team that could be falling, especially now if they lose Aaron Rodgers. So huge for, huge for all the teams in the NFC North. It's going to be an inter interesting shakeup. Yeah, someone's got to win that division by default, and it might be the Vikings at like 10-6 and six or something. But the Vikings are uh... – <laughs> Vikings are perpetually eight and eight. They were set. They were six and ten last year. Their team's going to be exactly the same. So 
Yep. Lions, get excited because I, it really looks like you have organizational competence. It looks like you have a plan. And you know what? The Lions haven't had a plan in 60 years. So you know what? This is, should make you happy, Lions fans. That's much more than what you could say for the Bears or the Giants. So you're, you're, doing, you're doing good. Or not the Bears, sorry. The Giants and the Raiders. So you're doing good. Yes. At least for the Raiders, they had a plan. They just didn't execute it because they missed on every single draft pick minus, like, Dexter Lawrence. Like, yeah. they took Saquon at two. They took Daniel Jones at six. They took Andrew Thomas at four. They traded up in the first round and got DeAndre Baker. Like, that, they just missed on a lot of their picks more than anything else. But that, that's how you become a perpetual rebuilder. And the Lions are trying to break that cycle just like the Cleveland Browns did. Yeah, and, and I would like to say, I think a lot of these teams, especially like the Lions, uh, they're, they're going to have a huge day, too, uh, coming up tonight. They, they're going to need to hit on more picks. Uh, we're going to have to see a couple more guys being added to that squad, I think, for them to really start that rebuild. Uh, same goes for teams such as uh, the Dolphins, you know, continue to add more pieces around. The Jets, I think, are still going to be huge players. Of course, the Jaguars, I already mentioned earlier. The Bengals, a couple of teams who are really rebuilding. I think this is a huge day, too, for these teams. Uh, some of the earlier second-round picks, some of the earlier third-round picks. Uh, if you can hit a couple of these guys, uh, you can really uh, start to see something change up. And, you know, shout out. We're going to finally see the Houston Texans today later on, like probably like in the middle of the night, uh, yeah. their first pick. I mean, that's going to be interesting to see where they go. Well, one they of my to... favorite images of the entire draft was when they panned to the crowd and there was the, the Seahawks fan pulling up to the draft, even though his team had no pick in the first round. That was like, that's some dedication. You're pulling up to the draft in your full Seahawks gear and your team's not even picking in the first round. <laughs> not even picking the top 50. I think you're picking four. So. Yeah, I mean, love I, that guy. Yes, gotta represent me. <laughs> represent on that. Let's see. Dude, I think we hit on pretty much every pick at this point. Uh, I guess we can laugh at uh, we can laugh at Pittsburgh or not Pittsburgh. That was that was all right with Najee Harris. We kind of knew that was going to be the pick. I I, I kind of figured it would be. Uh, I will say though, um, kind of disappointing that they did not take a Tevin Jenkins. Uh, I would have definitely preferred that pick. Uh, I gave it a B. Uh, I thought it was the, you know, probably one of the more likely picks to happen. And of course, really kind of felt like they were already slotted in to take Najee Harris, and he's my favorite running back in this draft. Uh, but offensive line is still a huge need, and I mentioned this in the, in the live stream. Um, a running back's only as good as his offensive line. I would almost rather have James Carter with last year's offensive line than I would Najee Harris with this year's offensive line. So we'll be interesting to see how that ends up turning out. I almost forgot the most debated – well, no, second most debated pick of the night. Uh, I'd throw Jalen Waddle as number one. But the most debated pick of the night was probably Zayvon Collins because I've seen grades all the way from an A to like a C- minus on Zayvon Collins to the Cardinals at 16. Uh, I am right in the middle. B- minus is my pick uh, for Zayvon Collins. Uh, really, he's a first-round talent. So, it, you know, it's a pick that I could see uh, and understand. Here's my concerns. Uh, you know, linebacker core right now contains Isaiah Simmons and Jordan Hicks. They really only run two linebackers normally uh, on their team, run up really a 3-4 defense, so two inside linebackers. Of course, two outside linebackers with Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones being, you know, two really good edge rushers off the, on, on the side. Um, you know, Zayvon Collins really will have to slot in as the inside linebacker for the squad. Uh, he would be the third linebacker unless they decide to move Isaiah Simmons to strong safety. And if they do, that's going to be Buda Baker to free safety. So now you're going to have a couple of players playing out of position now. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, of course, your first-round pick last year was a guy that you were really hoping could be a, a good Swiss Army knife for your team. Really kind of felt like um, – I really thought he should have been a linebacker next level. I, I know a couple other people thought he'd be a good safety. Really feels like they're going to lean towards that box safety role for him. Uh, interested to see how that turns out because I'm a little bit worried now with Isaiah Simmons' progressions. Uh, and, and I think that Buda Baker, if they move him to free safety, I mean, it's just to see how he could perform, because I really think he's best at strong safety. Um, I, I think that, you know, him making the hard hits, being a good run supporter, guy over the middle in the short yardage game, I think is where he is best at. I really kind of struggle to see how he can be that Jesse Bates-esque free safety where he just has range and can get across the field in a hurry. I think that he has a potential to, but I really thought strong safety is probably his best position. So um, a couple of out-of-position players now, really interested to see how that they kind of fit this into one puzzle. Um but Zayvon himself, I think, is a good prospect. It really just kind of feels like their defense uh, might be looking a bit different. And I, I always try to factor this in. Even though a good player might have been drafted, how, how is this going to affect other guys? And it really feels like all these other guys like Baker, Simmons, maybe even Jordan Hicks to a certain extent could get affected negatively with this pick. And so I graded a little bit lower because of that. I love how the Arizona Cardinals strategy works because their last five first-round picks have been 
linebacker, quarterback, quarterback, linebacker, linebacker. Those have been their last th- five first-round picks for the Arizona Cardinals. So it's, it's not an NFL draft until the Cardinals draft a linebacker. So that one was interesting. Um, we can we can laugh at the the Panthers and the Broncos a little bit. Like the I understand. I told you in the live stream. Like I understand why the Panthers didn't trade down with the Patriots to fifteen because there was no way J.C. Horn was falling to 15 in the draft and they really wanted JC Horn and they made it an effort that we're going to pick JC Horn, even if it's at the number eight pick in the draft. Yes. Uh, would I rather have Sam Donald and JC Horn or would I rather have Justin Fields? That is the big question you must ask yourself. Uh, Def- yeah, they could have just drafted Justin Fields. Like the whole point of trading for Sam Darnold was because you weren't going to get a quarterback. And now you could have gotten a quarterback at that pick. Right, yeah. So definitely could have worked it out a lot better for yourself. Could have saved the cap space. Could have saved the draft or the, the trade pieces you had to give away, uh, and you could have gotten a better quarterback. So uh, I, I think that maybe your team improves, uh, all things considered. But I think you gave up a couple of extra picks uh, than what was necessary, and you could have gotten just a more talented quarterback uh, and, and could have used the rest of those assets to get better, more quarterbacks later on in the draft. So um, <clears throat> I believe I gave that grade a B plus at the end of the day. Uh, I like J.C. Horn. He's like CB3, though, uh, a guy that I thought was still going to be for sure a top 15 pick. I didn't think he was going to get past the Patriots. Of course, I have him graded lower than Farley. I knew he'd go above Farley, so it doesn't surprise me that he went as high as he did at all. Um, <clears throat> I definitely thought Pastor Tame was going to be the better player, though. Uh, I do. Say, I will say I think J.C. Horn's a better fit for the Carolina Panthers, and I think that if he can reach his potential, he will be a great cornerback one for this team. And it's a team that really, really needed a good cornerback uh, to help match up with their, I mean, really, really good um, you know, edge rushers and safeties. Uh, so I think that, you know, they finally have some good stability there on their defense, uh, as well as, you know, guys like Derek Brown, who is and Jeremy Shin, who are already slotted there as being you know, good young talent. So you're really putting together a very, very good young core on your defense. Uh, and, and though it's a pick that I think, you know, I like it makes sense if, it, if he can reach his potential. Uh, I do question the move of make, uh, trading for Sam Darnold. Never. You could have just had Justin Fields there at eight. Exactly. Same thing with the Broncos. Broncos decided, you know what, we're going to reaffirm to Drew Locke because even if they add Patrick Sertain, I don't think there's anything the Broncos can do to save Vic Fangio's job. If the Bears are going to save Pace and Nagy's job, I think they've done the best thing possible to try and save their job, but I don't think there's anything the Broncos can do at this point to try and keep Vic Fangio around. Yeah, and and I graded the Pat Sertain pick an A-minus compared to B-plus for J.C. Horn. Uh, so I think it was pretty close uh, in, in, uh, in grading for me. Uh, the reason why I graded Pastor Tain a little bit higher is because I did think he was a better cornerback, and I, I definitely think that uh, he can be day one a better player than J.C. Horn. Uh, and, and because they're getting him a pick later, of course, I, I feel like I'm almost obligated to give it higher. Um, but I will say, you know, you add Ronald Darby, you add Kyle Fuller, uh, you also have Pastor Tain three outside corners. Uh, I guess you could play Darby at slot, maybe. Uh, maybe that's what they're, they're looking to do, but I feel like that's almost a waste of his talent compared to how he played last year on the outside corner as a CB2 for your squad. Um, you're putting a lot of investments into cornerback, and you really only needed two, I think. Uh, so I, I will be interested to see how that all works out. Um, you are, you know, guys like Michael Oshimudia, of course, their third-round pick last year is now going to sit low on the depth chart, so you're kind of wasting a couple of young rookie talents, which is what I'm, you know, which is really what Sowers the pick there for me uh, and the reason why I didn't create it as high. This, this would have been a, probably an A pick or A-plus pick if had this been a team that I think definitely had the bigger need at corner. But this is the exact same scenario as the Panthers. Um, what was the point of trading for Teddy Bridgewater? If you could have just taken Justin Fields here, you would have been set. Um, much would have been a much better pick, a much better scenario for you. You could have saved that six, extra six-round pick, and you could have gotten a, a big upgrade at cornerback. Uh, quarterback. Uh, so yeah. I, I think that, you know, pretty uh, – Though you did upgrade at corner somewhat, uh, I thought that you could have easily waited for the for later, and you could have rolled with you know Fuller, um, Roma Darby, and OJ Mudia for next year, and could have been just a, just as fine a cornerback as what you would have been. I mean, it's definitely a strength of the team now, so uh, I can't complain too much. But I think that it was fine the way it was. It could have already been a strength, and now you just made it even stronger. Um, rather, I think you could have fixed one of the weaknesses, that being the quarterback, of course, that you really needed to upgrade. Well, I mean, the Broncos are. Uh... Broncos are the Broncos and Panthers both, I guess. They just haven't been the same since Super Bowl 50. Just organizationally, they haven't quite been the same. Uh, I think we got through, if not all 30, like or 32, then like 29 of the 30. Um, so thank you again for all of the fun analysis and for coming on early this morning. Um, and 
We look forward to the rest of the draft. And by the way, if you're listening this far, and I commend you if you've listened this far in, check out the live stream of day two and day three. I'll be popping in at some point. Blake is live streaming them. He doesn't have the shaky phone anymore. It's enjoyable. <laughs> so I, I love popping in and out during draft night. So check that out over at Stripe Hike Cincy for day two of the NFL draft, getting ready to get underway. And if you're listening after day two of the NFL draft, well, thanks for listening to the podcast anyways. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, for, be, be sure to turn, tune in. Maybe this time you can hop on with me. We can talk a little bit during the draft. We'll have to see how that works out. I think we'll be doing more of this today solo. Uh, so I will probably be inviting more people, more new guests. So if you guys want to hop in and, and be a good guest of the podcast, I will be for sure um, trying to invite a couple people and, and get to, um, you know, get to have some more people on. So we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, yet again, thank you for having me on. Uh, great time talking more about the NFL draft. More than happy. Thank you for coming on this morning. And uh, to the rest of the NFL draft and your insane three days of – this is your, your Super Bowl at this point. So day one is in the books. Now we get into the second part. And uh, I'm this excited was, too. This is fun. Yeah. Day two is my favorite day. I will say that for sure. Uh, this is when the value picks start to occur. Uh, you're going to see a lot of steals here. You know, the Jeremy Chins of the world is going to go here. So, or the T Higgins, like last year for you guys. <laughs> yep. You're going to get some, you're going to get a couple of good studs here. It's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of reaches, a lot of, you know, very big value picks. This is when it really starts to ramp up more. Uh, so, you have, you have a good idea what happens around one. Round two is much more of a guess. You know, you, you really have no clue. So, I'm really excited to see how some of these picks turn out. All right. All right. Enjoy the rest of your draft. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.